0: Let's uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be able to gather together in your house, to worship you, to learn from your word, to fellowship with one another. And uh, God, I just pray that you would be with us this morning as we consider your word, as we consider how to study it. Um, Lord, just that you would give us understanding. God, our... Our minds are so affected by the fall. Our our hearts are so uh, bent toward uh, sin and rebellion. Uh, Lord, we need the power of Your Spirit to uh, uh, to cause us to walk in the right paths. To to understand what Your Word says to us. And God, I just pray that You would grant that. Uh, that uh, Lord, just that You would be glorified in Your Word being. Uh, Understood and taught accurately. And God, just if you would um, just work uh, through this lesson, uh, that your name would be glorified. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're continuing our study on um, how to study the Bible. Um, Last week, we talked about um, some introductory. Information, uh, basically, just why it's important to uh, to study the Bible, um, and we talked about some objections that uh, are sometimes raised uh, to the to the idea of doing serious study of the Bible. Um, and there was one objection that we we didn't quite get to at the end of the last lesson. I want to start with that. Um, today's lesson is going to be about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible, and uh, you'll actually see that this objection in particular uh, is very fitting for what we're going to talk about today. So it's not going to be not going to be too jarring to switch between the two. So um, just to jump right in, um, as we talked about, you know, why it's important to study the Bible. Um, some people um, will raise the objection and say, "Well, we should we should only allow." Certain people, um, and that might be the trained people, might be the anointed people, the spirit-led people. It just depends on who it is that's uh, presenting this perspective. But we should only allow certain people to interpret the Bible, and the rest of us should just accept their interpretation. Uh, You know, the Bible is just uh, so hard to understand, and you know, certain people are gifted to interpret the Bible. Um, and it's, it's prideful and arrogant to think that, that we can interpret the Bible better than these people. Um, uh, it, it just leads to a multitude of contradictory interpretations if you just allow anybody and everybody to interpret the Bible. And so we really need to restrict it to just these people that are approved to be teaching the Bible. Um, and so none of the rest of you should really bother studying it, because you're just never going to get it. Um, it just should be these people. Um, any thoughts about how to respond to that, or just a comment of, like, has anybody else encountered that? I, know, I mean, I've certainly encountered that a lot with a lot of different groups. Well,
1: I mean, thoughts, I haven't encountered that, personally. but thoughts on that is, uh, the danger with that is, uh, exactly what has uh, happened with the Catholic Church. If you only have the clergy, and at the time of the Reformation, mm-hmm. only the clergy were even able to read it, um, because it hadn't been translated into the common language, mm-hmm. then if they interpret it incorrectly, uh, there's that danger, mm-hmm. and you can't you can't judge
0: that. And they also can add to it or take away from it and you would have no idea right yeah yeah it it really does just give them complete power Mm -hmm. um and one of the places that i mean you mentioned the roman catholic church that's one of the places that i encounter this type of argumentation the most is with the roman catholic church because that is their argument Um, you know they would say that well i mean that was that was the argument that like luther ran into Uh, When he said, "Well, this is what the Bible seems to be teaching," and they're like, "Well, that doesn't agree with what the Church councils have said. That doesn't agree with what the Pope has said." And you know, Luther's like, "Well, they could they could make a mistake." And it's like, "What you think? You know, you are able to interpret the Bible better than the Church councils and better than the Pope? Uh, How arrogant is that?" but Luther maintained, no, it, anybody can interpret the Bible. I see, Ben, you got something? Well, I mean, there were
2: you
1: gonna, were you gonna, there is an element of truth to that in a lot of ways in which if you are interpreting your Bible by yourself, not interacting with anyone, you can, it, it is pretty easy to misinterpret your own ideas into it, mm-hmm. um, you, you can miss some things, but at the same time, well, But with the Catholic thing, Luther, as you were saying, said the church, he, he pointed to the church fathers Calvin did too, to say, hey, these guys agree with me. And Luther didn't do it alone in the back, he had other guys helping him way. But yeah, but at the same time, yeah, that's there. To the point though, that it is possible for someone to sit down and interpret the Bible. Um, themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible is overall clear in its uh, overall message, and we kind of looked at that somewhat last week. I can't
0: remember all the verses, mm-hmm. <laughs> right but yeah. And and Ryan, did you have yeah, something? Yeah, I was going
2: to say it's kind of like kind of like we going on here, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a balance beam, right? So um, if you read Robert. I don't know how to say his name, Dale. Uh, he, wrote, he, wrote, he wrote a book, um, you know, On the Right Use of the Fathers. And he says, um, yeah, there's a balancing act that has to happen. So he said, you know, how many of the fathers, right? Mm-hmm. The Roman Catholic Church, um, First Peter, where it says, no scripture, you know, prophecy of scripture. So we'll take that to mean, you know, oh, well, that means we need a mediatorial organization, mm-hmm. such as the Catholic Church or you know, other places. You know, other that's the mm-hmm, Exactly. Um, but then you have you know, the other error on the opposite end is you have the Anabaptists, or you know, other weirdos, well. Like, well, you know, like, I can read this scripture and get aliens, canvases, and that can
0: I'm sorry, say that again? But then yeah,
2: get, you know, and about this too, be like, oh, well, that means, you know, weirdos consequences are weirdos or affiliates coming out of you. Right. Right. So
0: right. Yeah. Yeah,
2: there's there's no
0: question that there is a, a certain degree of truth to the fact that, like, if you just say anybody can interpret the Bible, that um, you're going to have people misinterpreting the Bible, people who really aren't qualified to, to be studying it. Um, are going to come to the wrong conclusions. They're going to present that as truth. Okay, hey, Chris. Um, yes. Go ahead.
1: There's another sense of uh, too. I mean, even just looking at scriptures, where as Paul was preaching, you know, the, we referred to this last week about the Bereans mm-hmm. and how they were sort of checking him out. Well, it's it something where only, you know, the experts, then they should have just accepted what he said, right. not taken the word and looked at it to make sure that what he was saying was true. So mm-hmm. that seems to fly in the face of this
0: objection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the example of the Bereans checking out Paul is, is a clear example of that, where you have just everyday people um, checking out these teachers. Uh, and rather than just saying, oh, well, you're the teacher, I just have to accept it. Um, so yeah, this this um, again. There's there's like there's some truth buried in this notion that it's like okay, yes, the Bible um, can be misinterpreted, and so um, the people who are trained, who are taught, um, those are the those are the people who are going to be the most qualified to interpret Scripture. But if we say that only those people can interpret Scripture, and that um, everybody else just has to accept it because. You know they're they're not going to be able to understand the Bible. Then you are going to wind up with all sorts of abuses. Um, yeah, opening the interpretation of Scripture to everyone allows uh, the untaught to distort Scripture, but keeping it within a group of approved interpreters allows that group to distort Scripture without challenge. Um, so it it we have to maintain the idea that every Christian should be studying the Bible and should be checking out what their teachers are saying. Um, and evaluating it to see if it's true, just like the said Brian Spen. I was
1: also going to say that it's from a practical spiritual
0: level that's depriving people of spiritual food on
1: their own basis.
0: I apologize, sorry. Was, I can't yeah. hear you. Yeah, I'm not used to masking.
1: Right. Uh, on, a, on a practical <laughs> spiritual basis, that's depriving people of spiritual food uh, uh-huh. in their own homes, in their own study. Yeah. Uh, where they, they can't read the Bible and study it for themselves and actually learn to love
0: God more. There. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it, it does it does deprive people of their spiritual food.
2: And we also say that was the error of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Scribes too. Uh, well, we know all about this. Mm-hmm. So you just have to listen to us. Yeah. So that's kind of like Christ said, we lay out you know, 695 rules and uh, one more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: very much. They you know they. Uh, in fact, I believe there's even like statements in there about it's like, well, we're you know we're the teachers of the law, you know, who who, who do you think you are uh, interpreting this differently than us? Um, yeah, I, I mean, just from a like a on the ground level. I mean, I remember one time speaking to a Roman Catholic, and I remember um, we were talking about justification, and I quoted to him Ephesians two eight and following, and and he's like, yeah, that. That really sounds like it agrees with what you're saying. But the church tells me that's not what it means. So, And, and who am I to challenge what the church says? Um, that, that is definitely um, the attitude. And it's, we, we have to have a way to challenge uh, false teachers. Um, we have to be able to understand and read these things for ourselves. Um, but that's not to say that like everybody's equally competent to study the scripture. That that's not to say um, that we don't have problems when we say anybody and everybody, please try to understand and study the scripture yourself. Yes, it, it does. Um, it does sometimes cause problems. Um, and um, I mean to 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 go back to something that was mentioned earlier when we were talking about. Um, that uh, like Luther and Calvin were appealing to the fathers um, in opposition to the Roman Catholic Church, um, and it's it's important in that case to make a, a clear distinction between like, what is the what is the Roman Catholic Church and that teaching authority and what are the early Church Fathers, because the the fact is the Roman Catholic Church will they will say. That they're in agreement with the early church fathers. It's like, oh, well, we're just building on all this tradition, and we're believing everything that the church has believed for all this time, and you know, and it's it's the reformers and, and other teachers that are presenting the novel perspective. Uh, but the fact is, is like, if you study the early church fathers, you will find that very often the Roman Catholic Church is just in complete disagreement with them. But that's not to invest even the early church fathers with the authority that the Roman Catholic Church claims. Uh, The fact is, it's the scriptures that are the authority. Uh, That is God's word. Um, And you don't want to move that authority to any other source, whether it be the early church fathers, the Roman Catholic Church, the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, Even, you know... Even the Westminster Assembly, we don't want to transfer that authority there. As, as great as the the Westminster Standards are, um, they still can be wrong. We have to understand that um, the Scripture is the authority, um, and all of us need to have the ability to study the Scriptures for ourselves and compare that um, with what the you know what various teachings we encounter. So. Um, and, of course, we are not like left all on our own to just sit there and just read the Bible all on our own without any help from any outside source. Um, there are all of these various helps we have, um, including the early church fathers, including the Westminster Assembly, and just various Christians that uh, that God has uh, used throughout the ages to interpret the Scripture. Um, we, I mean, we are very blessed to live in an age where all that information is very accessible to a lot of people, um, and so those are, you know, those are obviously That's going to be a great help for us, and we're not on our own in interpreting scripture. Mark, did you have something? Or okay, no, no, you're fine. Um, so that was that was kind of the final objection I wanted to tackle, and um, again, uh, a lot of times it is spoken of in terms of. Well, these are the people that the Holy Spirit is guiding. I mean, even with, like, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church, kind of our prime example, um, you know, if you get down to it, they will claim it's because, well, you know, God has established His church and by His Holy Spirit, He's guiding them so that they present the truth. Um, and, you know, the individual person, um, they're, not, they're not necessarily going to get it right, whereas the church, God's going to make sure that they get it right. So it's all, it's all going back to it's the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, so as we transition into today's actual topic, um, the role of the Holy Spirit in interpretation, I mean, that's, that's gonna obviously going to tie in a lot. So if we are to interpret the Bible correctly, we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is a vital truth. But it is often misunderstood and distorted. Um, So in order to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in interpreting the Bible, it will be helpful to address uh, the common faulty understanding. Um, This is something that I know that I have encountered uh, multiple times in various forms. Um, And I'm sure that all of you have as well. and may have even been swayed by um, some of, some, at least some aspects of this perspective. Um, and so hopefully, um, hopefully we'll get some clarity here. Um, so, one way of expressing uh, this view um, is yes, we should study the Bible, but we don't need a class on interpreting the Bible. Um, the idea is that the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the Bible directly. Uh, without the use of rules or principles of interpretation. Um, This systematic approach to interpreting the Bible leaves no room for the work of the Holy Spirit, they say, Uh, and it's only the wisdom of men. Um, So the idea is like, oh, well, gosh, all this all this study all this like looking at you know what's the genre of this text what's the context what's this look up the word and see what the definition is and it's like all this was like oh, it just seems like there's no spirit in that Should't I just pray and read it and just see what comes to me um, and there's a number of passages that will be appealed to um, along these lines First uh, Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. Uh, it says where is the one who is wise? where is the scribe? where is the debater of this age? has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world so paul there is is challenging you know the idea of of following the wisdom of the world um, of of following the the intellectual perspective um, and the the challenge is made it's like oh well if you're if you're applying all these rules if you're if you're using specific principles and like doing a, uh, a very systematic approach to studying the scripture, well, then that's just following the wisdom of the world, and that's not the way that the Spirit of God works. Um, Luke chapter 21, uh, verses 12 through 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, uh, but before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So there he's saying, don't think about what you're going to say, just go for it just say it God's gonna God's gonna help you uh, God's gonna give you the wisdom um, parallel passage in uh, mark chapter 13 verse 11 Got a little little extra information there uh, and when they bring you uh, to trial to deliver you over do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say but answer but or, but say whatever is given you in that hour for it is not you who speak but the Holy Spirit and so People will take this and they'll they'll argue that it's, well, it's uh, careful meditation is contrary to the work of the Spirit based on these these notions. It's it's I should just open my Bible, read the passage, and trust that whatever my first impression is must be the Spirit provided interpretation. Um, this is the notion. Uh, that the mark of the spirit-led interpretation is, um, sorry, this, this notion that the mark of a spirit-led interpretation is that it is spontaneous uh, and interpretation. Uh, sorry, my notes are a little jumbled here. OK. This is the notion that the mark of spirit-led interpretation is that it is spontaneous? That that's the mark of it. It's, it's spontaneous, and that's that's what shows that it's spirit-led. Um, and then, if you spend time studying and meditating on a passage before coming to a conclusion on the interpretation, then the spirit's not involved. Um, this is, I mean, it's a it's a very popular notion. First um, John chapter two verse twenty-seven, uh, but the anointing that you uh, the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So there John is telling people, well, you, you have no need of any of any teachers. Um, the, the anointing you have, the Holy Spirit, is he's going to be the one who teaches you. Um... Am I am I making it clear what this perspective is? I mean, this is this is definitely a a perspective. Again, I run into a lot. Um, any notion of like how would we address that? I mean, is that correct? Is that the way we should interpret the Bible? I don't think that uh, I think that thinking that the Spirit is just going to spoon feed you knowledge is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. And the Spirit's not going to do something that would prevent us from doing that by just being screen-fed. It's going to encourage us to use those faculties to God's glory Mm -hmm. as we study the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Any other thoughts, Ben?
1: Psalm 1, Psalm 119 all the proverbs they teach you to seek wisdom to meditate on the scriptures. Um mm-hmm. uh, something that I mean in Boreans Koreans, mm-hmm. uh,
0: but at the same time those scriptures are there. And yeah. there is some truth to that argument, Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean obviously we don't want to say these passages are untrue. Um, but uh, there is a question about whether they're being applied properly when people use them for this particular thing. Let's, I mean, let's just consider uh, the first John passage, the last one we looked at there, where John says, uh, you have no need that anyone should teach you. What's John doing when he's writing this letter? Isn't he, isn't he teaching people? Would, would, would that make any sense? for him to be saying, oh, you don't have any need of any teachers when he himself is is teaching. Um, one thing to consider, um, like, I mean, we're, we're going to be getting into uh, principles. I mean, again, this is, this is still kind of on the introductory level, but we are in the future going to be getting into the specific principles you want to use when you're interpreting scripture. And one of those is that you want to uh, interpret um, the, the Bible as a whole. You don't want the Bible to contradict itself. Um, and if you have some explicit teaching, you don't want to, you know, look at some other passage and deduce some meaning from that that contradicts the explicit teaching of some other passage of Scripture. Um, and Ephesians chapter four, uh, verses eleven and twelve. Um, Paul says, and he gave, speaking of God, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and uh, the shepherds and teachers uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there it says that God is providing teachers to build up the body of Christ. Um, And uh, it seems strange if God's giving teachers if the fact is we have no need of teachers. So if we try to consider, it's like, well, what, is, what is John talking about there? Is, is, does this actually apply the way that some people would say that it applies? Uh, well, if you look in the, in the context of 1 John 2, uh, he's warning his readers about false teachers. Uh, so what if a false teacher comes and says, I've been anointed. The Spirit is teaching me things that he hasn't taught elsewhere. You must listen to me in order to be taught correctly. I mean, that's, that's very similar to what we are just talking about uh, with the objection, right? Um, so if that's the situation, um, I mean, that, that, that may be the situation that John is responding to here. There's there's not there's not special anointed Christians who are receiving private messages. Now, all Christians have received this anointing that guides us in the truth. So... I think that what John is saying there is, you, you don't have to have some special anointed teacher in order to give you information. Everybody has the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you don't need teachers, but you don't need some special person who's got their, you know, their radio wave, you know, tuned to God and getting the special messages. Um, so I, I think that's. That's most likely what John is, is getting at. So to pull this out and just say, "Oh, well, he's just saying we don't need teachers at all," um, I think is a is a is a big mistake and is a it's a contradiction of Ephesians chapter four. Um, so if uh, if God has provided His church with teachers, um, is there any command respecting how they are to teach? You might think of any passage of scripture that maybe addresses this. You know, we, we looked at it uh, last week. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15 Paul is writing to Timothy and he says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handed in the word of truth. All right. So does this Sound like Timothy should just relax and let the Spirit provide the interpretation? Any thoughts? What is What is there in the text that gives us some indication of that? I'm we'll talking about rightly handling the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And I'd say
1: if, if you just spout off the first thing that comes to you mm-hmm. not, without doing your due diligence to make sure that. That initial
0: interpretation was correct. Then you're not right, and you can't be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a real danger of not rightly handling the word of truth, right? So, like, I don't see how that could be if you're just like, oh, well, it's it's just what it says. You know, the spirit's leading me to understand it. Um, No, I mean, you, you've got to work at it and make sure you get um, the right interpretation. Uh, Chris. Yeah. And I mean, in the verses right
1: after Second mm-hmm. Timothy two fifteen, it talks about those who uh, speak irreverent babbling. It talks about Hymenius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, there, there's your example of what you just said. You know, right there mm-hmm. in the scripture as to why yeah. you said to do that, because there are those who have strayed
0: from the truth. Yeah. 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 Sorry, this
1: is, this is not going for a different. Past, but like the Council of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you have people who are talking to things, or creating things, they're not just going, hey, here's my interpretation. Right. Here's the thing we hear. Oh, they're carefully studying the scriptures. Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh, to make sure that they know how to teach other people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They- Definitely there's multiple examples throughout scripture <laughs> that are like that where it's you have clear examples of people doing serious study trying to trying to make sure they get it right um, as they study. Um, Ryan?
2: It's also kind of like this it's important to uh, you know, show yourself you know, diligently study to show yourself approved. Paul even said, or all even says you know, you can twist the scriptures for instruction description. So it's kind of like just an example of this. Um, I think the scripture, I can't remember exactly which one, but it says, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to read and understand Scripture. And so people who are you know, swerving the truth or twist the Scripture for their own destruction, it's kind of an example of the Holy Spirit not being there So people who look at the Bible right now, they uh, can take it out in public and like, oh yeah, the Bible says Jesus is God. And they're like, well, well
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it. it certainly is the, the case. It's like you you have people misinterpreting the scripture, and um, yeah, and that is like on some level that's that's a that's sin going on there. Um, whether it be more minor varieties, you know, within the church, or whether it be those who are outside of Christ and their minds are darkened and they're just completely bungling it, and the spirit's not there. Um, assisting them, and we're going to we're going to get into that in in more detail as we continue the lesson. Um, just to just to hit a couple more things that I, I think were brought up in in the Second Timothy passage, but like maybe not explicitly stated. Um, but just it says that he is to be a worker. Um, he is to do his best or be diligent, depending on translation. Um, so um, all these things are. Um, are things that that point to a real need to learn how to study the Bible. Um, And this notion is further supported uh, in the book of Hebrews. It's a passage that uh, Pastor Rick went over some time ago, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 14. In this passage, by constant practice, to distinguish good from evil. So, in this passage, how is the person who lives on milk described?
2: Untrained.
0: Sorry? Untrained. untrained. Yeah, yeah, uh, unskilled in the word of righteousness is the is the way that the uh, the ESV puts it. Um, so, does that imply that you can become skilled? Yeah. Say so, yeah. All right. Um, so how is the mature person described?
2: Um, of, of man? About man? Sorry. Go ahead. the Sorry. Have- okay. um, the mature person is described as someone who uh, has a train the power to sort trained train who work
0: yeah. yeah, their powers of discernment are, are trained. Um, speaks of constant practice. Um, these are definitely notions of learning how to study the Bible. Um, I mean, really, like, if, if Christians who have the Holy Spirit should just open the Bible and just take whatever interpretation they see at, at face value, then that passage in Hebrews doesn't make any sense. Uh, because the author of Hebrews is clearly saying, look, you're you're missing it. You're, there's there's areas where you're just not really able to follow what I'm talking about here. You need to to be trained better, and you ought to be trained better by now. Um, and these just these things just couldn't be the case if this idea was like, well, just like whatever the Spirit spontaneously leads me to believe when I open a passage of Scripture. Um, that should be my interpretation. Just, It just doesn't make sense with this passage. Um, so now some, some people are going to argue um, that if we need to learn how to study the Bible, then anyone could follow the same guidelines for interpretation and come to the same conclusion. I mean, it's just, it just makes it where anybody could do that. So why then would the Holy Spirit be needed for us to interpret the Bible? Uh, doesn't this just remove the, the Holy Spirit from the whole process? Um, and from this perspective, they would say that the meaning of the Bible must be beyond the scope of what we can uh, what, what can be learned through principles such as grammar and genre. Um, and it sounds very pious when people say that. It's like, oh well, yeah, the, the the content of the Bible just has to be beyond that. We don't want to make it where it's just accessible to simple rules of interpretation um, you know and it, it sounds like it's maintaining the highest view of scripture um, but I would argue that it is too low a view of scripture I think it really does um, do the opposite of what you think um, one of the key passages um, when we talk about this is in first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. Uh, where Paul says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Um, And so um, people, basically from both perspectives, uh, both the perspective that I would argue for and the perspective that I'm arguing against, are going to appeal to this passage. So here we clearly see that there's a distinction between those who do not have the Spirit and are not able to understand the things of God and those who do have the Spirit and are able to understand, right? We see that in that passage. And even though the Scriptures are not explicitly referred to, I think that everyone agrees that the Scriptures are included in the phrase the things of the Spirit of God. So I think this applies to our discussion. Now I'm going to argue that we can understand uh, this verse in one of two ways: either there's something about Scripture that makes them uh, unintelligible to the natural man, or there's something about the natural man that makes the scriptural makes the scriptures unintelligible to him. Understand the difference? It either either the the problem is with Scripture, and we need the Spirit. To fix the problem for us, or the problem is with us, and we need the Spirit to fix the problem with us, so that we can understand the Scripture. Um, and obviously, I'm going to choose the second one. I think that's the, I think that's the, the proper perspective. But the first option uh, implies that the Bible doesn't really contain the spiritual truths that we uh, need to know. At best. Uh, They are present in a hidden way, uh, almost as if they're encrypted or in a code. And the Holy Spirit then comes along and provides a way for us to decipher the code. Um, Or perhaps the truths are not contained in the Bible at all. Perhaps the Spirit communicates these things to us directly, uh, but chooses to do it while we're reading the Bible. Um, It just depends on the different perspectives that people have. Because some people would say, well, it's, it's all there, you just... You can't understand it unless the Holy Spirit comes along and gives you the gives you the code to understand what's there. Um, and then there some people would say, "Oh, well, it's, it's the Spirit's giving me this information." It happens when I read the Bible, but it's not really in the Bible. They, you know, a lot of times they they say, "Well, that's what God told me when I, as I was reading Scripture." And it's like, "Can you show me that?" Well, so, no, I can't because the Spirit gave it to me. Um, I don't know. That's. That's, that's, I mean, the, that perspective isn't necessarily always expressed in this way. But I think, at least my analysis of it, this is what it amounts to. Now, the second option uh, is this pr- perspective that these spiritual truths are actually in Scripture and that nothing is needed to grasp them other than a proper understanding of how to interpret the text. That's it. Uh, in this view, the problem of failing to understand the Scripture rests on the person reading them. Our laziness, our bias, our desire for that which is sinful, uh, our fear of our fellow man, uh, our rebellion, and a host of other failings cause us to misunderstand what we read. Sometimes uh, it is accidental, sometimes it is willful. But in the end, the problem lies with us and not with the Bible. So which of the uh, of these perspectives explains why it is that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God? I, mean, I think it's the second one. Um, let's consider um, a passage uh, where uh, the Lord Jesus is addressing people who are rejecting the things that he's saying. Uh, John chapter 8. And i recommend you turn there. We're going to spend a little bit of time here. John chapter 8. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, or because, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because it it is that you are not of God. So considering this passage, uh, why did the people that Jesus was speaking to not understand what he said? Was it because he was speaking in code? Because they were
2: not of God.
0: Because they were not of God. I mean, that's the ultimate answer, right? Um, specifically, what he says there is, you cannot hear. I mean, in the, the first passage, there, um, uh, verse 43, uh, he says, "You cannot bear." and I may not have read that right when I was reading through it. You cannot bear to hear my word. Um, now, what does that sound like? I mean, when we when we talk about that, as if we say, "Oh, it's like, oh, that that person just can't bear to be in that person's presence." What's, what's the idea there? Is it, is, it, um, is it like really just an inability, or is there something? Like an intolerance. Different? What's that? An intolerance. An intolerance, right? I mean, there's, there's something there where it's like they're just averse to that, right? So I think they are just a, an verse or a little further on. Um, it says, you hear what you don't believe. Was I correct? And remember, was there a part where he says he doesn't, they don't believe? Um, let's see but because I tell the truth you do not believe me is that what you're referring to yeah mm-hmm. I almost I feel right. like because they are not of God they are predisposed to reject the truth mm-hmm. yeah so they're hearing it but they're automatically rejecting it mm-hmm. as, as false yeah that's absolutely right right to build on
2: that it's the Romans 1 suppression of the truth hmm right
0: yeah it is It is the Romans 1 suppression of the I mean this idea is, is all over scripture um, but yeah I mean here, here in this passage, you know, he's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's, at first it's like, why don't you understand? Um, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Uh, uh, why don't you believe? Um, well, I mean, they me, me ask the question, why did they not believe? Um, that, I mean, this, you know, Jesus in a sense asked several questions in this passage. So, what's the answer to that one? Why don't they believe?
2: In the next verse, they say that he, uh, he's a Samaritan and then he has a demon. Say that again? They say that he's a Samaritan and then he has a demon. That's their excuse for the next verse. Okay,
0: yeah, that is that is one of the things that they say. Um, but here right in this in this passage, what is what is uh what is Jesus's um how does he explain their lack of belief? Uh-huh. They're, they're of their father the devil so he's, he, uh, he told them the truth and their desire is to do their father's desire, their will is to do their father's desire, so they're, they're just following what, what Satan does Satan doesn't believe the truth Satan is the father of lies um, and so why don't they believe him? it's because they're of their father the devil, that's they're following, they're following what their father does why do they not hear? Jesus says this because they're not of God. So who does hear the Word of God? Yeah, those who belong to Him. Whoever is of God is the way Jesus says it. And those are the people who hear the Word of God. So when we consider this, it's like there's obviously. Um, Scripture is presenting this here. Uh, it's in Romans 1. It's in multiple passages. There is in the natural man this this moral equation that is completely averse to the Word of God. And so when the natural man comes to the Word of God, he's not going to understand it. Now, interestingly, you, you sometimes will encounter people who are not Christians, who don't claim to be Christians. They, they may say they're atheists or whatever. And they're often able to understand large portions of what Scripture says, but there's always going to be something that they just reject um, because they just can't accept it. Uh, there's there's a there's a moral reason why they can't accept it, um, and I I would argue that. In every case where we are misinterpreting the scripture, there's some level of that. Even in Christians. I mean, it's that we still have sin in us, and it's still causing us uh, some of those problems. Um, So these people, they were uh, so set against believing in Jesus. um, This is... Another passage from John, um, not necessarily the exact same group of people, but some of the people who were set against believing in Jesus. Uh, that even after he raised Lazarus from the dead, they wanted to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. Now, is that just like, oh, well, they just didn't have all the information? Like the truth was in code, and they, you know, they didn't get the, they didn't get the decoder ring. Um, no, it's like they, they knew it. It was, it was like right there in front of them. Um and um, just for time's sake, I won't read the passage, but it's there in John 12 and it's like they were gonna, they were gonna to try to kill Jesus and kill Lazarus because it's like, oh well, Lazarus has been raised from the dead, that's that's causing us problems here. People are actually believing Jesus because of this. Um, let's get rid of the evidence. Yeah, let's get rid of the evidence. Um, for them, I mean, it wasn't a matter of like, well, we're just trying to follow the evidence where it leads. It's like, no, we've, we're, we've decided what we're going to believe, and the evidence doesn't fit with that. We need to fix that. Don't confuse me with the facts; I've already made up my mind. That's exactly right. So the fact is, the uh, the natural, um, the natural man will always reject the truths of Scripture. They're foolishness to him. Uh, his understanding is muddled and he either scoffs at or disto- distorts the true meaning of Scripture. And only by the work of the Spirit can someone truly handle God's word rightly. Um, if, however, there is really something about Scripture that makes them unintelligible uh, outside of the work of the Spirit to unlock the code, how could we ever know if we're interpreting the Bible correctly? Um, I mean, this is this is a this is a big question. Um, how could we ever know if someone else is interpreting the Bible correctly? I mean, we've kind of touched on this already, but it's just such a vital point. Um, some of you may remember that several months back, I uh, spoke to some people uh, from the World Missionary Society. I remember talking to Ryan some about that because he bumped into him before, and it was my first encounter. Um, but they used the Bible. And I used the Bible. Uh, they even quoted some of the verses that we're discussing this morning. Um, from their perspective, the Bible is a sealed book. And you can't understand it unless you submit to the teachings of their leader. You know, it can sound very similar to, it's like, well, you can't really understand the Bible without you know the Holy Spirit. Um, it's like, well, for them, you can't understand the scripture unless you follow the teachings of their leader. So naturally, uh, when they made poor arguments or misrepresented scripture, um, my counter arguments were simply dismissed. Because from their perspective, I don't have access to the true meaning of the Bible. I mean, that was was basically their response. I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. You're misinterpreting that passage. Um, This is like, why should I believe this? And they're like, oh, well, you just have to accept you just have to submit to the the to our teacher that's that's the only way you're going to see it because bible is sealed and it's only it's only in him breaking the seal that are you able to actually understand the scripture it's like well, how how could how could anybody tell if anybody else is right if that's the perspective you use um, if if we can if we don't have this objective way To study the Bible and figure out, are you right? Are you wrong? Um, I I don't see how you get there. I mean, what what I'm getting at is we can only test ourselves and others if the Bible presents objective objective truths that are accessible to anyone. Um, If we can apply the rules of interpretation to a text and come to the correct interpretation, regardless of who we are, then we have an objective standard to test both ourselves and others. If, on the other hand, the meaning must be unlocked by the Holy Spirit, everyone will claim the Spirit's authority for all the contradictory meanings that people come up with. With an objective standard, disagreements over interpretation can be worked out by a rigorous application of the principles of interpretation. And that is when bias and other failings are brought into the light. And we may still cling to our incorrect interpretations at that point. But we will find it hard to convince ourselves that we are submitting to God's Word. And that is where the Spirit comes in here. It's like, if you say, oh, well, it's, there just has to be this objective standard. And if you just apply these principles, everybody should come to the same conclusion. Well, that again, it just takes the Holy Spirit out of it. It's like, no. The fact is, it's like none of us actually do apply the principles of biblical interpretation the way we should. Um, and it's it's because of, it's not because of anything in the scripture. It's because of us. It's because we're sinners. It's because we have, because oftentimes we don't like what the scripture says. It shows us our sin. Um, or we, we have traditions that we want to hold on to or we're, we're biased or whatever the reason is. Um, but if we sit down with someone else and both of us attempt to work through just just the regular principles of interpretation of Scripture, we're eventually going to come to a point where one of us starts to feel uncomfortable because we start to see, hmm, these principles are leading me in this direction, and that means I'd have to concede that I'm wrong on this point. Um, And that's, that's when the Holy Spirit starts speaking up and saying, yeah, you need to follow the truth. Not follow whatever it is that you know that's leading you astray here, um, and we, as Christians, succeed to greater or lesser degrees um, in doing that. Um, it's not all not all easy. I mean, obviously, if we all did this perfectly, I think nobody would have any disagreements about what the Scripture says, uh, at least amongst Christians. But obviously, that's not the case. So there is room for the Holy Spirit in a careful and diligent study of the Scriptures. Uh, Or sorry, is there room? That's the question. So is there room for the Holy Spirit in a careful and diligent study of the Scriptures? And the answer is absolutely. Um, Even as Christians, our remaining sin will hamper our study and blind us to to, uh, many of the truths that God has so graciously provided to the support of the Church. Uh, We should pray earnestly that the Spirit would open our eyes, enlighten our minds, and restrain our sin so that we can truly understand God's Word. We are absolutely dependent on the Spirit in our uh, attempt to interpret the Bible correctly. But it's, I think, vital that we understand how that works. It's a matter of overcoming our sinfulness, not of trying to, you know, crack the code to what the scripture says. Any questions or thoughts about any of that, or objections? All right. Well, hopefully that was um, that was clear and that was helpful and. Um, got lots of lots of good comments and answers. So um, certainly seems like you guys were. I, I presented it clearly enough that um, that uh, the idea is conveyed. Ben, you have something? No. Uh, with, that, with what you're just saying now, and what you're just saying about
1: your lesson, that is that is at the end of the day all we can do. That's all you can do is just present the fear
0: unless it's teaching the spiritual principles. It's the spirit that applies into our heart that right. that's what prayer is Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, I mean it's like we, we can we can go through this, we can we can go through the whole lesson on how to study the Bible and you can you can basically just disregard it. Um but I pray that God's spirit will work in each of us. And we will take these things to heart, and we will appra- apply them properly. Because if left to ourselves, we won't. If left to ourselves, we won't. We're gonna, we're gonna distort it. We're gonna um, find all sorts of ways to get around the uncomfortable things that we find in the Scripture. So. All right. Well, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, again, what a blessing it is to to have Your Word. You have. Uh, provided for us your very word, your your mind, your thoughts, your commands for us. Um, and God, I just pray that we would uh, just treasure those up that we would uh, study your word, that we would delight in it, and God that we would be diligent to put in the work, uh, not just take the easy path, but to put in the work, to try to understand your word correctly. God that understanding what you have actually said would be, Uh, far more important to us than uh, all of the preconceived notions that we bring to the Bible. God, that truly we would seek to know your mind as truthfully as we possibly can. God, we are indeed so dependent on you for that. Uh, You have given us uh, your word that is perfect. But we are sinners, and we so often distort what you have given us. And God, I just I just pray that we would be diligent, that your your Spirit would work through our diligence, that your Spirit would work through those who teach your Word. Um, God, just that you would, by your great power, um, just continue to conquer the sin that is in us and enable us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Um, Christ knows your mind perfectly. And um, God, that is uh, that is a model for us. God, we pray that you would be glorified by uh, your church the world over, uh, taking your word seriously studying it and applying it to our lives. Pray these things in Christ now.